Bava Metziah, Perk Aleph, Mishnah, Zion, 1, 7, and more about documents that are found and the obligation to return them. This mission will talk about documents that are not Shtarei Chov, not IOUs, um, and still we will say that one should not return them, even though ostensibly it should be pretty obvious who the addressee is and to whom it belongs. And the reason for all of them is going to be the same, which is uh, these things could, could have been written and never delivered in the first place. They're written ahead of time, and so there's no reason to be confident that um, you should give it to the recipient because it has you know, massive consequences, and uh, maybe it was never intended to be delivered in the in the first place. So the mission says, "Matza gite nashem." If one finds a get for a woman, a divorce contract. Again, it's plural, but one or more makes no difference. Uh, the assumption would be one, in fact. So then one, uh, we'll see, shouldn't return it because perhaps the person wrote the get, had it written, and then he never delivered it to her. He changed his mind. Or v'shichruri avadim. Uh, this is a get shichrur. It's an emancipation document for a slave. So one who owns a slave, this is Eved Kanani, Shifka Kananis, the way that um, they're emancipated, they're released to become free, is through a similar process. They're given some a document kind of like a get, it's very similar to a get. Um, and on it it says, you know, you're free to go, you're your own person. But again, one would go to a scribe ahead of time and have this written, and who says that the person intended to actually carry out and went ahead and actually delivered it to the the slave, maybe he never did, maybe he changed his mind, it got lost, and now if you give it to the slave, of course the slave goes free, that's not fair, not good. A diatiki, the same goes for a diatiki, this is hard to translate. Now, what's going on here is that um, when a person um, wants to transfer ownership of something, normally you need to have a, a formal masakinian, a formal act that transfers the ownership, um, like for example, if you have your uh, your Rolex watch that you want to give to someone, they would need to pick it up um, in order to acquire it. And the truth is you even could um, pick it up on their behalf, maybe mezaka to them. But the point is, um, if one one uh, just says, I'm giving my Rolex to my, you know, to my friend, it doesn't matter, it's not your friends yet, and if a person would then die, um, the heirs, his, his children would get the Rolex watch and not the friend. All that said, if a person is a shchiv meira, which means like sort of on his deathbed, so the rabbis made a dindurabon and they said, listen, people who are on their deathbeds, they get very anxious, they didn't sort out their financial affairs, and you know, they'll think, oh my goodness, I promised my best friend that I'd give him my Rolex watch, I never did, now I'm going to die, and my kids are going to get it, and I'm going to die with a bad name, and they per- the anxiety, the anxiousness, the upset that's caused by not having sorted out one's affairs, because um, all we're concerned would actually... Um, expedite the death, you know, make the person die sooner because of the stress he's under. And therefore the rabbi said, listen, one who's on his deathbed, just simply a verbal declaration, just speaking alone, will carry the same weight as the full-fledged legal action that would transfer ownership properly. So that means if a person's on his deathbed and he says, I want my best friend to get my Rolex watch as I promised him, whatever the story is, so then uh, that's binding. And the Rolex watch now will... Be, assuming this person dies, will be given over to the friend and not inherited by the heirs of this uh, the person who's dying. That's a dinder button. It was commonplace that people would write down these instructions uh, because if you don't write them down, they could be forgotten, there could be confusion, etc. And therefore, the diatiki is the writing down of the wishes of the person on his deathbed regarding the disposition of certain assets while the person is still alive. Okay? So I would say essentially, you know, so-and-so was on his deathbed, and he said he wanted to give the watch to his friend before he died. 
Now, we don't give that to the friend because then the friend could sort of take the watch, let's call it by force, if you will, from the kids. Um, he could try to, and maybe it was never actually, it's not legitimate. Maybe the, the person on deathbed changed his mind, didn't do it after all, didn't want to do it. So that being the case, we wouldn't give the daitiki over to the uh, person to whom it's it was the beneficiary of what's written inside of it. Same goes for a matana, a general gift. Um, there is a way to transfer ownership. You can do like a Kenyan siddur. You know, you can. There are ways to transfer gifts without the recipient being present. Um, and essentially, if the contract says I'm giving over my watch or my home or whatever it is to so and so as a gift, and that could be legally binding if done the right way. The point is, if you find such a document that says that, you shouldn't give it to the recipients in the document because maybe the person who owns the gift decided not to give it over after all and never delivered it, never intended to be delivered, never did that, actually required to transfer it, and therefore uh, you can't just give it over to the recipients because it might be, you know, not right. The shovar, shovrim, a shovar is a receipt. So usually what happens is, as I said before in the previous Mishnah, if um, the borrower repays his debt, so then the lender would give him back the IOU for the borrower to tear for the for the borrower to tear up. You can think of it just like an uncashed check, right? I give you a hundred dollars loan and you give me a, a check made out to me and I say, listen, I won't deposit the check, provided you give me back the, the cash. So when you give me back the cash, I'll give you back your undeposited check. That's how it would normally go. What happens if the borrower comes up with a hundred bucks and then he says, Where's my uncashed check? Where's my IOU? Where's my star? And the star hove it's called again and the and the lender says, Oh I can't find it, I lost it or who knows what. So now, what's supposed to happen? The borrower has to pay back his debt, but the lender now, if he really is keeping the IOU or he finds it in 10 years, he can just say, listen, it was never paid, and he can claim a second time. So what he has to do instead is give a shovar, that's a receipt um, of payment to the borrower, which says, on such and such a date, so-and-so paid me back $100 that he owed me from that loan. And that way, if in the future, the lender whips out this star that they like, so tries to deposit the uncashed check, the the borrower will say, "What are you talking about? I paid you back, and here's the proof. I have a shavar's receipt." So the assumption is that when one has a, if you find a shavar on the street, maybe think you give it back to the borrower because that's who else would write a shavar to. It's written by the lender to the borrower. And the answer is maybe you know he had it pre-written uh, by you know a sofa waiting so it should be in his pocket for whenever he does get repaid. Maybe he never was repaid, therefore maybe he never gave the shavar to the the borrower. And then maybe he lost it, and now if you give it to the bar, the bar gets away without having to pay. Okay, so in all those cases, and all these different things, the gitin, the the shechurin, the diatiki, the matana, the shover, you don't give it back to the person to whom it seems it should belong to. Shani Omar, because it's possible to say, yes, they were written legitimately, but then the person who had them written changed their mind and never actually delivered this document, um, and therefore to actually deliver it to the one to whom it was addressed would actually be like an injustice. Um, this is Din La Halacha, and of course if the person who um, wrote it says, yes, you should give it to the person whom I wrote it to, I, I permit it or instruct it, then of course the finder should give it to the addressee, uh, so like for example the Evet or the the recipient of the gift and so on. Now, when it comes to the Gitte Nashim, it's a little more complicated because a, a woman's divorce document, the get needs to be written Lishma for the sake of specifically her, has to be specifically done, you know, by this husband to this wife and for her sake of that divorce. Um, so you 
wouldn't be allowed to give it to the woman as her get unless you knew for certainty um, that it was written originally for this particular woman by this particular man for the sake of this particular divorce.